broadcasting from deep in the Eublifaris galaxy on a small planet called Gekonia, east of the albino hills and south of the raging leucistic river, comes the one, the only, Gecko Nation Radio. Good evening, everyone out in Geckonia. <laughs> How's everybody doing tonight? All right. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are addicted to geckos. You love geckos and everything about them. You wouldn't be listening to this show if you didn't. Get somebody else involved. Don't keep it all to yourself, folks. All right. Tonight is March 2nd, 2014, and I got to tell you, this is an episode that's a long time coming because very, very special guest tonight. Someone that I wouldn't be able to do the show without. Someone that's just a huge contributor to what we do here and just a just an all-around great guy. And uh, I'm not going to waste too much time tonight flattering him because he knows he's awesome. So I'm going to go ahead and bring on Mr. Steve Barker of BC Barker Creations. What's up, Steve? Hey, how's it going? Good. I hear you just had a birthday yesterday. Happy birthday. Thank you. How old are you now? 40. Just turned oh, 40. Yeah. You're half you're halfway there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they say um they say we people spend the first 40 years of their or the first half of their lives basically killing themselves, damaging their bodies and everything and whatever they do, and then they spend the second half of their life trying everything they can to, you know, be healthy and stay alive longer. So <laughs> I can definitely relate to that. Um, so what are your plans for the next 40 years of your life? 40, hopefully longer than 40. But what uh, do you think, Steve? I'm hoping to win the lottery. Actually, mm. <laughs> no, no, <Alan>. no. <laughs> it'd be nice. That's a that's a very common goal, I'll, I think. Today. I'll probably win it when I am eighty. I'm right? guessing. <laughs> <laughs> so. And you'll win the you'll get the win for life ticket too, and you'll you'll yeah. win for like another six months, right? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> oh man, unbelievable! No, I know. I we all have that dream to. Get get them get some money. I I tell you, uh, I don't I I don't know what I would do with that kind of money. They say all that money. A lot of a lot of these stories about people hitting the lottery are actually really sad. Like all these bad things happen to them afterwards, and you know, yeah. you know, it's, it I, can be. I don't need that much money. I'd be generous. A yeah. lot of people would be would be hooked up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'd be just. Handing it out, probably. So. That's the way to do it. Yeah, hoarding yeah. it all to yourself, I don't know. Yeah, if yeah. you can make a lot of other people and happy, that's the way to do it. Yeah, how much money do you really need, you know? Yeah, that's what I don't understand. Like, these, these big business people, they work their whole lives accumulating wealth, and they never really enjoy their lives. And, yeah, they got a nice car in the garage, they got a beautiful house, but, you know, what does that really do for you? Like, you know, and then... Yeah. So you so you work you know you, you 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 make billions and billions of dollars and then and then you croak and you leave it to your kids who didn't earn it most of the time and 
you know, then they wind up spending the money on foolish things. And so, like, what did you do all that for? And I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand the mentality. I like, um, I like the idea of making enough to be comfortable, you know, keep, keep yourself from being too stressed out, and then just spend yeah. the rest of your time enjoying yourself, right? Yeah, definitely. Hmm. I know I, well, I, I, would, I would do more fishing, that's for sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I like this end If of that. I had the time, <laughs> I would right. do more fishing. Well, <laughs> well, you know, we were talking this week about all these ideas that we have for the show and ideas that we have for the future, and the only thing holding us back is time and energy and, you know, like we have these great creative ideas that we could do, but it's all yeah. about time, and yeah. there's just not enough time, right? Yeah, that's it too. We need a we need a whole a whole crew of people <laughs> to accomplish right. everything we'd like to. Exactly, and you know that's something that I understand. There's a lot of people out there, and you get it too, Steve. Of course, you know there's a lot of people out there that try to do everything by themselves. You know they gotta, you know I, I know breeders that just you know they have to do everything by themselves. They don't have any outside help or you know, they won't accept any help and this and that. The, you know, the only way people do are, are successful in life is with help from others. And you have either, whether it's business or personal, you need help, you need support from others. It's the only way you're going to succeed. And people that I think realize that uh, early on, I think, do better. You know, I don't know. But um, that's like with yeah. the show. Like, you know, I know I can't do this by myself. That's why we have you and, you know, I'm thinking about bringing in other people to do other things. Um, if it's a team effort, that's what's going to make it great. And, for instance, yeah. Gecko Nation, you know, the group, Steve, is doing phenomenal. And that's because it's a team effort. Um, everybody's doing their best in there. And I don't know. It's just, just, just being on top of their game. And, uh, hey, Marcy. I see Marcy's in the group. Marcy's a big, <laughs> big part of the group and the show, too. Um I love Marcy. Hope you're feeling better, Marcy. Um, well, you know what, Steve? Before we get into too much more things, and speaking of gratitude and help from others, Gecko Nation Radio wouldn't be possible, number one, without you, and number two, without our terrific sponsors. So, everyone, check out these businesses and breeders. These are, let me tell you, these businesses and these breeders are the best, and you know, these are sincere plugs that we do for these uh, for these sponsors of ours. And, uh, you know, nothing embellished. These are great people to deal with, people that I put my reputation behind and represent. So check them out. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by... Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, contact them at www.rainbowmealworms.net. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook.
abdragons.com is your source for the highest quality doobie roaches, whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps. abdragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt reptile heat tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook. Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need from Exoterra, Zoomed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more, and all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. And if you're looking for quality food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. Okay, everybody, we are back. And in addition to the sponsors you just heard, we picked up a few more terrific people that want to represent the show and just are just awesome businesses and breeders. And um, right off the bat, I want to mention Thad from Ohio Gecko, ohiogecko.com. Thad is the tangerine man. He does amazing things with tangerines and fat tail geckos. Check out ohiogecko.com. And if you're looking for something really bright orange, that's the guy to go to. And um, also, Wally from Supreme Gecko. If you're looking for micro geckos, little day geckos, little tiny, tiny little miniature hobbit geckos. He's your guy. Check out SupremeGecko.com. He also has a lot of beautiful crested geckos. If I ever decide I'm going to get into cresties, that's the way to go. And I'm going to give a quick shout-out tonight to a new business that's starting out there called Cresty Central. They're not a sponsor or anything, but they're two young guys that started their own little business. And uh, I think that's great. I'm giving them a shout-out. And uh, we're going to have them on the show in the future to talk about what they're doing over there. And uh, I think it's pretty cool, very entrepreneurial of them to, uh, you know, start a business doing something that they love, which is geckos and crested geckos. And uh, last but not least, I want to mention, of course, Reptiles Express. Reptiles Express is the best shipping company to use to get your animals where they need to go. If you're a new breeder and you know, you're confused or nervous about the shipping process, call up Reptiles Express, ask for Debbie. She is the kindest woman I've ever met, and she'll just help you through it and talk you through it. And uh, Steve and I, I was talking to Steve. I can't really give out the details, but um, if, with, with some luck in the next couple months, I think, uh, Get the Nation Radio has an opportunity to possibly get a lot bigger. And uh, that all depends on my time schedule, Steve's, and if we can uh, definitely devote it, devote the time to it. But um, um, I'll, I'll make an announcement to everyone if we can, if we're going to do that. But uh, it'll be exciting if we can do it. But uh, just a little sneak uh, peek there for you on what's coming up. Um, you know, I have a lot of great ideas for the show. Steve has a lot of terrific ideas for the show, and uh, you know, we're we got we're going to do whatever we can to to make this the best show that we can make it. And 
it's all your support out there that makes it what it is. So especially people in the chat room tonight, just want to say hi to Bloki Reptiles. What's up, Chrissy? Um, and John, MS2 Fears, that's Miss Marcy. Hope Marcy's doing better. Sean at Heavy Duty Reptiles. Hope everything is going good over there, Sean. Uh, Soft Kitty, I don't know who that is, but that's cool. Steve Barker's in there. And Ty Malave. What's up, Ty? <laughs> All right. Um, well, Steve, before we get started, there's one last thing that we have to get to that's very important. If you are a new gecko aficionado, a new breeder, a new person that's getting obsessed with leopard geckos or any kind of geckos, where, where do we want to send them, Steve? Gecko Forums. That's it. Geckoforums.net. Not .com. Yeah. .net, everybody. Yeah, and Faz from yeah. Ohio Gecko runs Gecko Forums. So check this out real quick. Did you know that since 2006, there's been a treasure trove of history and information on leopard geckos and other species? Well, Gecko Forums is the most extensive database of leopard gecko history on the web right now. Take a look and delve into the past, present, and future of this great community. The biggest contributors, breeders, and hobbyists have left their mark there. Now it's your turn. Look, learn, and post away. Need a place to post animals for sale? Look no further. Visit geckoforums.net and become a member today. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to be the official radio show associated with Gecko Forums. That's right. We are proud. We love it. Um, yeah. What do you think, Steve? You want to... You want to jump right into the news? I know you have some important topics for us tonight. They're not the most fun and friendly topics, but they're something uh, that I need to know about. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? All right. Check this out. Yeah. Hold on one second. All Good right. evening, Deconians. That's right, Steve. Welcome. Now he's in news anchor mode. What's going on? Yeah. Mm. All right. Before... These stories that I'm going to tell you now are all from U.S. Arc, and none of these are fake. So, everybody, we'll, everybody we'll sit get, down. We, we want to separate this. Okay. Um, and if you're not on U.S. Arc's mailing list, you need to get on the mailing list because I think I've get, been getting two or three emails a week. Dave, is that about what you've been getting? Oh yeah, my, my U.S. Arc. Yeah, yeah. we get notifications. Yeah. So I'm just going to quickly run through. There's a bunch of states that are pending legislation. Louisiana Senate Bill 357 seeks to ban constrictors, all constrictors, and venomous snakes. So they're trying to ban all constrictors. That's Louisiana. Now, even corn snakes are considered constricting snakes, right? I technically I don't think so. They are. I mean that's that's the thing. I mean when they word things this way, it's yep. just a matter of opinion basically. Exactly. You know, so that's that's where they get a lot of the laws where they get you is how they word it. Mhm. And that's okay. that's scary. Oh yeah. So we're, we're living in very exciting times but also very scary times. That's for sure. Yeah. So West Virginia has a a bill, and the House Bill 4393 will ban common pet species, including boa constrictors and hognose snakes. The bill also 
Yeah, listen to this. The bill also creates a da dangerous wild animal board that will write an initial list of prohibited species and will then have the authority to add any species they please. If this passes, oh, they can just add them as they want. Where is this one? This one's West Virginia. Jeez. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah, and then, then South Carolina... House Bill 3985 seeks to ban many species of herps, including boa constrictors, reticulated pythons, and any species of animals listed as threatened or endangered under the Endangered Species Act. This means, and these are mammals, but chinchillas, which I have chinchillas, I have two chinchillas, prairie dogs, certain parrots, parakeets, macaws, some iguana species, and even species of fish, salamanders, toads, would be considered dangerous wild animals. Oh, man. And then it goes on mm -hmm. to say, even if these animals are captive bred, they will be illegal. Oh, my God. That's horrible. So that's South Carolina. Jeez. Then we have, yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting bad. I mean, it's state by state. Yeah. Uh, Wisconsin, Assembly Bill 703 will ban crocodilian species and some mammals. It will place financial burdens upon municipal, municipalities, encouraging them to place stricter regulations and potentially add species as prohibited. So I, I'm taking that as they can just add them to the list too. Yeah, yeah. Use the use the crocodilians as the you know the, the the way in, and then sneak that little other thing in there. Okay, by the way, we can you know anything that has that has scales is also considered dangerous too. So yeah. right now, wow. U.S. Ark has on their website, and that's usark.org. You can go on there, and they have set it up for everybody in those states, and only residents can can um, pursue if you're in that state you have to be in that state to oppose these le the legislation but US okay. Ark has put direct links on their website for each state for you to for whoever lives in those states to go there and express their opposition to these bills so they've made okay. it extremely simple for all of us to just go on there and do it and it's a matter of just filling in the blanks. So I've said it you, before, and I say it again. If we lose this, it's because we didn't fight for it. So absolutely. everybody out there, you got it. This is your chance. Nobody's going to do it for you. If you are the resistance. You know, if you're listening to my voice, it's you. You're the one that has to act. Okay? Yeah. Not, not, you know, don't sit on the chair and say, oh, somebody else will do it. No, we need you to do it, or else we're going to lose it forever. That's it. And we'll never get it back again. So that's the way it's yeah. going to be. All right. So in continuing with U.S. ARC news, they have a National Reptile and Amphibian Advisory Council Law Symposium, which will be March 7th and 8th in Washington, D.C., this is an essential event for anyone interested in the impact of law and regulation on the keeping, breeding, care, and conservation of reptiles 
and amphibians. So I believe that if you're in Washington, D.C. on March 7th and 8th, anyone can attend this workshop, as far as I okay. can tell. So that's okay. that's pretty cool. And then the worst news, which isn't really that bad, um, U.S. ARC federal lawsuit update on Friday, February 21st, the D Department of Interior responded to U.S. ARC's legal challenge on the current injurious species listed by filing a motion to dismiss our claims. So they want to dismiss the lawsuit, basically. And this right. was expected. According to USARC, it was expected, and, ha and USARC has been pre preparing for this action. Okay. So they're work working on a reply to the, uh, to the uh, dismissal, and it's due by March 7th. So hopefully after March 7th, we'll find out some more information on, on the lawsuit. Okay. So that's, that's it for, well, I don't know if that's it for depressing news. Let me look back here. Uh, yeah, I think we have more depressing news. But for U.S. Arc, that's it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to jump out the window real quick, and um, I'll be right yeah. back. Yeah. But I'm on the first floor, so it won't make, won't make too much of a difference, I don't think. But <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Steve. All right. So now, in the rest of these stories is a hidden false story. So we're going right. to start out. We're going to start out with... In the Herald, there was an article about how dangerous your pet reptile bite can be. The author talks about how a person was bitten by, the pets, by a pet snake and ended up with an infection and antibiotics were needed to treat the injury. Months later, the owner was bitten again and again antibiotics were needed. The article goes on to say that if you are bitten or scratched by any animal, wash the injury immediately and have it looked at by a doctor. So I just thought that was interesting because it, it had talked about, the you know, somebody got bit by a reptile. I mean, definitely wash any bite out. I, bet I, mean, wash, more people, I wash my hands I before and after handling any animal. So. Right. Duh, exactly. I bet you <laughs> more people get bit by humans than they do get bit by reptiles. And oh, I bet the sure. bites from humans are much worse. <laughs> yeah, really. All right, so heading to our next story. Reptile expert Jim Harrison of the Kentucky Reptile Zoo gave his reaction to the pastor Jamie Coots who died from a venomous snake bite, I think it was three weeks ago now, when uh, Jamie Coots had passed away from the bite. And the mm -hmm. best part of the article was, and I took a quote from it, people who get bit are almost always intentionally interacting with the snake. So, uh, you know, I, li I liked that quote out of the article. You know, let me just jump in real quick on this story. And, uh, you know, I've seen these these um, preachers and these evangelist-type guys use snakes in, the, in these, they're almost, uh, I, I guess, I don't know what you call it, these religious uh, ceremonies they do. But, you know, it, I know for a fact that they're using venomoid 
snakes for the most part, and they're pretty much tricking people. So, like, you know, when they let the snakes bite them, usually they're using a snake that's been, you know, surgically altered so it doesn't produce venom. And, you know, they and then they say it's, you know, whatever is making them immune to the venom. Um, but in this case, I believe that either the snake was a venomoid, and sometimes we hear the stories of, you know, them being able to still produce venom even after that fact, or perhaps somebody grew up, grabbed the wrong snake for this particular ceremony, and that's how this happened. So that's, yeah. that's, what I, that's, my, that's my speculation on what really happened with that whole thing. But, also mentioned in the article, they weren't cared for very well. They were, mm-hmm. they were emaciated, very unhealthy, kept in dirty cages. It, you know, from the sounds of it, it was, they shouldn't have had them anyways. But mm-hmm. yeah, all right. All right. So then we're gonna head over to Scotland. The Scottish SPCA said Gillian Carlin was sentenced and given 140 hours community service and a one-year supervision order when Carlin pled guilty to causing her bearded dragon unnecessary suffering for five days by not taking him to the vet after she claimed an intruder broke into her house and cut the tail off the bearded dragon with a knife. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's weird. Yeah, I, I, like I said, she claims an intruder did it. Now, okay. the, the, the pictures show the dragon. It was a perfectly straight cut. Um, in the article, they said that the examiner said that it was cut with a knife. So it wasn't an accident. However it happened, it was not an accident. Poor thing. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And might be the best story of the night. Scientists have identified a new species of day gecko in Sri Lanka. And it's the largest gecko species in the area, measuring at just over two inches. So that's pretty wow. cool. It's kind of like, uh, I don't know, it's really long and skinny, and the legs the legs are a little further out. It's a little different looking. It's pretty cool, though. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Then, sticking with geckos, because I'm always hunting for gecko stories, a team yep. of researchers from the Carnegie Mellon University have developed a synthetic gecko adhesive that emulates the self-cleaning ability of geckos and the team is close to commercializing the gecko inspired synthetic adhesive so the way I yeah the way I understood it is it's going to be reusable so that you can use it on one thing and it'll just keep working is the way I understood it yeah that's that's awesome Okay, then you guys remember the Justin Bieber reptile story not that long ago? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. New Zealand Prime Minister John Key denies being a shape-shifting alien reptile following a Freedom of Information request. 
John Key said he was visited by a doctor and a vet, and both the do- both doctors agreed John Key is a human. Okay. <laughs> so, what if the doctor and the vet were reptilians too, though, and they're all in cahoots? Yeah, you don't know. So now, now they'll have to go after. This was actually they had to provide the by their Freedom of Information Act. There, they had to provide the information saying he was not a reptile. So, <laughs> so now maybe somebody will say they they have to provide the proof that the doctors weren't. <laughs> I don't know. Wow, that's, that's crazy. Our, yeah, it is. That's our last story of the night, and one of them okay. is fake. And I'm going to run do a recap. Our first story was pet reptile bites are dangerous. A reaction to a pastor's snake bite death. Neglect of a bearded dragon. Scientists discover new day gecko. Gecko-inspired synthetic adhesive. And Prime Minister John Key is not an alien reptile. Those are the All stories. right. Okay. All right. Let me think on this one. <laughs> oh, I'm with you, Chad. Please tell me that. I hope the bearded dragon story is a fake one. Um, let's see. I almost think that the two-inch little day gecko might be fake, too, though. Hmm. It's either that or... I want the dragon one to be the fake one, but I think it's going to, I don't think, I think that's going to be real. I think there's somebody that crazy that would run into an apartment and cut the tail off. world's going crazy. So, yeah, I think that's going to be true. Um, Unless the last story is false and he really was proven to be a reptilian. That could be it. Um, Let's see. What is everybody saying in the chat room? All right. Loki says, the guy who is not a reptile is the fake story. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Chad says, does that mean he is a reptile? And I'm thinking, yes, he probably is. Everybody <laughs> hopes that the bearded dragon story is the fake one. I mean, I, I'm with all you guys in the chat, absolutely. Um, all right. I'm going to say... Ty says she's hoping the bearded story, too. All right. I'm right. I'm hoping the Beardy story is the fake one, but I don't think it's going to be. I'm going to go with the Day Gecko. The new species of Day Gecko is the false story, Steve. Which one is it? All right. The false story is pet reptile bites are dangerous. I wrote the article. Interesting. Okay. All right. (laughs) And it was based off of cat bites are dangerous. Okay. That's what I, I based it off of. All right, so we got a new species of day gecko, which is cool. Yeah, and we lost a we lost the tail off a dragon to compensate for it, which isn't cool. No, right. unbelievable. <laughs> okay. All right, let's see. Thanks everybody for for uh, participating in that. All right, and now of course you guys know what time it is. It is. On March 1st, 1958, more than 800 people jammed a hall at the University of Alberta to hear one of the top zoo experts in the world, 
Marlon Perkins, director of Lincoln Park Zoo in Chicago, was brought to speak to the Edmund Zoological Society. He helped build the the reptile collection at the St. Louis Zoo into one of the finest in the world. He was something of a walking miracle, having survived the bite of a deadly South African gaboon viper in 1928. Marlon Perkins hosted the popular television nature program Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom, which ran from 1963 to 1985. He was the first person to introduce North Americans to the animal conservation movement. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, I grew grew up up, watching that. Yeah, I grew up watching Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. That was the only thing I had to watch for animal lives back then. You know, anything for the animals. We had the best uh, animal shows, I think, Steve, because the quality of them isn't just isn't ever ever since we lost Steve Irwin. You know, the quality just isn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Nope, but, it's it's horrible now. I know. I don't know if it's by design or what, but all right. Well, thank you for that. That's a great that's a great uh, memoir there for us for the uh, for the uh, herp history. And uh, yeah. all right, we're going to get you out of uh, news anchor mode, and we're going to jump right into our interview. So let's all see, right. do this real quick. All right, later, Steve, the news anchor, and welcome, Steve. <laughs> Uh, the ball python breeder and the um, audio and video tech for Gecko Nation Radio. What's going on? Oh, not much. I got I got a <laughs> new pet, but it's not a reptile. Yeah, tell us about it. Tell us about your birthday present. You got an awesome birthday present. Uh, I got a English bulldog named <laughs> Chewy. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah. Named Chewy. Very fitting. Is he a puppy? <laughs> No, he's he's actually two years old. Oh, that's pretty much that's yeah, a pretty young dog. That's yeah, he's he's based, he's still a puppy. I mean, he acts like a puppy. So <laughs> you know, um, something that's just something that keeps sticking in my mind a little bit. Maybe we can get the people in the chat room to participate a little bit. Uh, one of the stories, um, one of the U.S. Ark issues, was about. Uh, crocodilians and how they're going to use the, the crocodilians as a as a way into you know banning everything. Um, and this this I'm going to pose this to you, Steve. I'm also going to pose this to everybody in the chat. And, and if you're listening to the show, even if it's being if you're listening after the fact, I'd like you to think about this a little bit. Um, you know, I I, I appreciate uh, people having rights to own exotic animals, especially if they're caring for them properly. I do feel though, in most cases. The people that are acquiring alligators, caimans, um, just aren't prepared for them. They're not prepared to take care of them properly. And they're being released in far too many numbers. And this is part of the problem that we're having. And as you can see, the one state, I forget which one it was, is using it as a way to, you know, ban everything from us. And, um, you know, I can see zoos having crocodilians. I can see... um, and, you know, nature reserves and special uh, special uh, places, keeping them and having them on display for people. But I don't understand the need for an average hobbyist or an average person having a, a pet crocodilian. And that's just my personal feeling on it. I can appreciate anybody that differs in opinion. 
But um, Steve and the people in the chat room, how do you feel about this? And uh, you guys, please leave your comments, and I'll I'll definitely read them on the air tonight. Uh, Steve, what I, do you think about this? I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I don't know if there should be some kind of screening process if you're going to get one or something, you know, to prevent, you know, so many getting loose and all that. I mean, like you said, most people aren't prepared. Yeah, I got a 55-gallon tank while it's, you know, 15 inches long, but, <laughs> you know, it's only going to last you not even a year, so... I, I absolutely agree. I don't think, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you should ban them or not, but I, I, I really well, don't agree with people having them for the most if part. If it's something, right, and if it's something that's going to be the gateway to destroying herpetoculture for everyone, I mean, seriously, I mean, uh, even the people that are selling these animals for $80 a piece, I mean, is it that important to sell 10 or so of those animals at an expo with the knowledge that you're adding to the destruction, the overall destruction of herpetoculture? I mean, is it that important? I mean, that's my feeling on it because I try to think of things from the big picture. I don't like people yeah. losing their rights. I don't, I don't like people losing their rights for anything. But if the situation is really detrimental, um, I have to, I have to, you know, Definitely side with, uh, I don't know, I have to, to to say that, you know, this isn't, this isn't the best thing for us. I mean, I got, I want to be careful no. too. I don't want to upset, I don't want to upset anyone. I really don't. That's not what the goal is. But I really do not want to lose herpetoculture. I really don't. And um, I don't know. The powers that be are going to use anything they can against us. And this is definitely an issue, especially right now. Maybe, maybe it's something that, that can... I don't know if people can put aside their their need to sell them right now, for right now to to basically you know chill out on that and until things get better perhaps until we secure our rights perhaps but I don't know I think it's uh, an you know I, I, what I don't understand is in America we need more jobs right so right. why couldn't we make some kind of let's say a license and maybe you got to take a course now right there you're creating jobs because now you need someone to teach it then you need enforcement on it you know what i'm saying you could actually i think with regulations and i'm not you know i'm not for like overbearing regulations but i am for like big snakes i think that it should be regulated i don't have a issue with that at all you know, crocodilians, they should be regulated. You know, large large animals should be regulated, but, you know, to a degree, not overbearing like they're totally banned now. That's that's a regulation, but but mm-hmm. I think that you could create jobs by regulating the animals instead of totally banning them, that's in my opinion. That's an interesting proposal, yeah. You know, um, I really I think you could. Yeah, I agree, and I, I think Brooke is right, too, in a sense. Um, I, I find, you know, these amazing, these reticulated python and Burmese python morphs amazing. Believe me, I think they're incredible. I think it takes a certain yeah. type type of hobbyist to be able to care for them properly, however. And um, I have mixed feelings about the 25 foot long retic in a in a tank or in a cage that's 
uh, you know, two feet high, and yeah. just no. I, I have some issues with that a little bit. Um, I understand that the snakes don't move that much, and um, you know, well, they don't have any opportunity to either. So, you know, I I don't know. I have mixed feelings about the keeping of huge snakes like yeah. that in small cages. I mean, I understand. Right. You know, ball pythons are very. That's a different story. They're used to living in in holes in the ground for, you know, they come out and eat and then they go right back in. That's it. But, um, you know, these bigger snakes are much more active in nature. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a little, it, it can be a double-edged sword. It's definitely something that can stir up some controversy. But the, the oh, overall yeah. thing is, but, but what, there's one thing, though, that bothers me more, and that's people taking our rights away. That bothers me more than anything else. And uh, I feel that if there is an issue somewhere, it should be, it shouldn't be, you know, take everything. It should be, all right, well, the issue is, okay, people are releasing crocodilians. Okay, so let's deal with that issue. You know, let's not just yeah. ban, you know, the you know the keeping of all animals. You know what I mean? So, but I think you yeah. have to speed with creating, like, a new department specifically for reptiles. And I, I, that would be a dream job for me. I would love to be able to uh, yeah. help to <laughs> help, you know, not only it would help keep Herpetoculturists, herpeticulturists' rights, but it would also be able to police the ones that are doing harm yeah. to the herpetocultural community, which is right. something that I would love to do. Yeah. yeah, as an investigator, that would be right up my alley. Um, but you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I, 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 what do you think, Steve? I'm pretty, I'm pretty nervous about the future. I'm confident that we're going to secure some of our rights. I, I don't think we're going to lose everything, but I definitely think that there's going to be some kind of a compromise. What do you think is going to happen? I, uh, I think we're going to, I think they're going to take away until enough of us stand up. And I know I'll be devastated if I can't have some kind of reptile as a, you know, as a hobby. I mean, I, I just, I love doing it. And in New York, if they, if they did away with, you know, say they did away with ball pythons, say they just listed constrictor snakes and, uh, or snakes, because a lot of people, snakes are snakes. It doesn't make a difference. They could at some point just say snakes. And, uh, here, you can't even keep native species. So you wouldn't even be allowed, that's illegal to, to collect or even possess um, captive bred here. So I would be stuck. If they had totally banned snakes, I wouldn't be able to have them here, even, if, even native species here. New York, it's already banned that you can't keep any native species, even captive bred native species. Wow. Yeah. So, I, I mean... It it would really it would upset me a, a lot since I've had reptiles for two thirds of my life or longer. And I, tell, I us plan about, I, <laughs> tell us about that town that's right next door to you. Uh yeah, that's um Auburn, New York, and I believe it was in ninety five they banned all reptiles within the city limit. So you're not allowed to have any reptiles within the city limit. I mean, that's not to say that they're not. People have them illegally, of course, but but you, right. there's no... All the pet stores 
All you can get in those pet stores, you can get supplies, you can get crickets, you can get, you know, food and stuff, but you cannot buy, cannot go in there and buy an anole. I mean, you can the, the smallest little lizard you can think of, you cannot go in there and get. They have no reptiles whatsoever. And and this brings up another good point because that law was probably passed and nobody even knew about it because, you know, you, you think USARC, USARC is giving us information on the states and, you know, the big bands that are trying to be put put forth, but nobody's monitoring the little towns and the little counties and the laws that they're passing. So you right now may have some law in your town or county that just like, yeah, you you might be breaking the law. I mean, that's that's how serious it could be. Um, so I urge everyone to, you know, stay on the up and up and figure out what's actually going on in your local areas and become your own advocacy force because, you, you know, USARC is great. They're doing a good job, but they're not going to be able to help and do everything. And we're going to all need to step up in the future. And one of the ways you can learn about advocacy and how to do this on your own is by, by following Herp Alliance, uh, www.usherp.org and follow um, Andrew's blog and he's an expert in advocacy at this point and um, he's got some great suggestions on how you can go about it and if you want to listen to uh, his episode with us uh, it was a few months ago, excellent interview with him and uh, he really gave us some insider information on how to basically uh, help ourselves because we're going to have to alright so uh, yeah. All right. and I've, I've All right. got a uh... I've got a website that not every town in the U.S. is listed, <clears throat> but there's a lot of towns that are listed on it that you can go on and look at your laws. And the the website, okay. I'm going to post it in in the um, the chat room, and I'll tell you right now, it's generalcode.com. And I'm going to post it right now, and you can go on and check your own city, town, I'm not guaranteeing all of them are there, but there's a lot there, and that's how I look up a lot of my laws. If I if I can, if it's there, I'm going to look it up on there first, and that's okay. generalcode.com. All right, that's a good place to start. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I don't know how often that gets updated, but that, yeah, that's, yeah, that's for existing laws that are already in effect. Okay. Yeah. Right, so cool. you know. Um, like, you know your local. You need to know if you're going to live somewhere. You need to know what you can and can't do. You know that makes. You know if you know your law, and that makes us look better that we're obeying the laws too. Correct. Right. That, that's going to show up on the news if we're not. <laughs> so. <laughs> you can guarantee that. All right. Yeah. Um, everybody out there listening tonight, I want to let you know that this this interview with Steve is going to be a very casual one tonight. And um, I want to also, if you guys would like to call in, get a plug for your Facebook page or YouTube channel, whatever you got, um, call in to say hi, ask a question, whatever. You guys are welcome to do that tonight. Uh, the number uh, is 646-478-5331. Again, it's 646-478-5331. And uh, see, let's, let's move on to some uplifting stuff. Because I think everybody is pretty much putting a noose around their neck or something right now. So let's uh, <laughs> right. let's get off of that. It's kind of my fault. I want I brought up the cartridge thing, but let's move on. Um, <laughs> let's let's just talk about. Let's start. We're going to talk about breeding ball pythons tonight. We're going to talk about uh, you know the projects you're working on. Let's, but before we 
get started, let's let's hear a little bit of your history with herpetoculture and you know where you got interested and what was it for you that that basically set you off into into this hobby. I think I was like five, living in Texas, and I caught an anole, and then I thought it was a salamander or something, because the first thing I did was I put it in a bowl of water, which it didn't need, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and I absolutely got hooked from there, and I remember delivering newspapers with my mom. She used to deliver newspapers in Texas, and we were at like an apartment building, and there was a rattlesnake. I don't even know what kind it was, but up in a corner of of the mailboxes was a rattlesnake, and I was just absolutely fascinated by that snake. And that's mm. that's probably where the snake thing came from with me. And from then on, Texas, I didn't, you know, I only lived there a couple of years. We moved to New York, and um, from then on, I just kept catching snakes all my life to this day. I, I catch snakes, and um, I don't know. I just got hooked. I kept, I kept um, all kinds of frogs when I was a kid, um, turtles, um, a little bit of everything. I've had iguanas, um, you know, all the way up to now. I've got the you know the geckos and and the ball pythons, and I'd have more if I had more room. <laughs> They're fascinating creatures. They really are. There's something very special about them. Now, you know, in particular, uh, you know, you, you and I met through YouTube a couple of years ago, and uh, what, what do you think was it that awakened you to the the underground, so to speak, of herpetoculture, the real, you know, you know what got you past the, the pet shop stuff and into the, you know, the really cool animals that we're into now? How did you make that transition? Well, um, actually, I'll, I'll go back to my first ball python, which is in mm-hmm. probably 92. And most most of the ball pythons then were all wild caught. You know, pretty much a majority were wild caught back then. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. So, you know, you didn't get the healthiest animals and everything. But um, I had picked up a book a couple years later. And I, I don't remember, it might have been the Barkers that wrote the book, um, um, Dave and Tracy Barker, it might have been them. And it had an albino ball python in there, in the in the book. And it, and I saw that and I was, I was like, I gotta have one. So I go yeah. to my local pet store and he would always, I used to have him order frogs for me. He would order stuff for me, you know, and um, he'd have a price list, and you'd just go down and look at what you want and, you know, tell him, yeah, get this. And, he, you know, I had to pay half up front and then half when he got it. So so um, I went in there, and I'm like, yeah, I want to order a albino ball python, you know, and <laughs> keep in mind this is like right around 93, 94, somewhere in there. And he's like, oh, yeah, um five thousand dollars i'm like what (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah i can't afford that so i didn't get an albino so so down the road i ended up i i had snakes and moved around i had pretty big collection of frogs and snakes and 
chameleons and I also had fish and I had, I, I had a probably half a house full of animals and then um, I kind of moved around a little bit and slowly gave stuff away and dwindled down to just a couple of snakes and then I ended up getting two hat albino ball pythons and that's what got me hooked three it was three years later I hatched out my first clutch I think that was I want to say like 97 98 somewhere in there or no or uh 2007 2008 somewhere in there is when I hatched out my first albino and that's Mm -hmm. I, I only wanted a pet is all I wanted out of it. I didn't, you know, I wanted an albino. And I just seeing them come out of the eggs got me hooked, and I don't ever want to not do it again. So <laughs> I just I got well, you... hooked. I mean, and then, you know, and then YouTube just got me deeper. I mean, all the people that were on YouTube doing it just just got me into it even more. I'm a little upset with uh, the new format with YouTube. That's you know now that Google's taken it over and um, it's very yeah. difficult to use and it's almost like not as fun as it used to be. What do you think no. about that? No, I I like the old the old format. Yeah, it can't even. It's it hard to re- reply to comments <laughs> and. A lot right? of times I go on. A lot of times I go on now and I don't even have sound. You know, and really? then I gotta. Yeah, I'll have to go through about four or five videos, and then I'll get one that has sound. I mean, it. it, I don't know why it doesn't mess up on any other website. Yeah. So I I haven't made a video since January. Yeah, it's been a little while for me. Well, you know, getting to the 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 albino ball python thing that 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 struck a chord with me too. you and I both were fascinated. We didn't know each other, but, you know, I was fascinated with the albino ball python. I think I saw it first uh, in the Varium magazine. Maybe it was Reptiles magazine, but uh, I actually, I wrote to Bob Clark, and he sent me pictures of the very first ones and, and a bunch of other morphs that he was working on at the time, the first lavender albino retic. And uh, so when I received my albino ball python from you, it was like the culmination of a dream come true because it was something that I was always just enamored with since I was younger. And to know that, to know the hard work that you put into it makes me appreciate it even more. And uh, it's definitely my favorite snake that I have here. If not, you know, you know, one of my favorites. I would say it is probably my favorite snake. I mean, it's such a clean, high contrast, beautiful albino. And uh, yeah. it's a terrific job. They're not easy to breed. They're these ball pythons, that you know, it takes some skill to do this. Um, and, and that's why I can appreciate it. Um, you know, to, tell us a little bit about what went into breeding them. Was it difficult for you being there for the first time? For the, the first time, I panicked a lot. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I absolutely had no clue what I was doing. You know, a lot of what mm-hmm. I, what, what, the help I got was from YouTube. Um, I even called um, Justin Kobilka up, who did not know me at all. And mm-hmm. he helped me out at a point where where my eggs were dehydrating. 
and I'm like, oh my god, they weren't, you know, they're not ready to hatch yet. I knew, I knew that they took, you know, approximately 56 to 60 days, and you know, at 89 degrees and all that. But my eggs were like shriveling, and I'm like, oh, I'm freaking out, and and so I, I, I he had, he had a YouTube channel, and I was watching his, and I went on his website and called him up. He, he did not know me. I never ever purchased a snake from him. And he he totally helped me out, and you know, it it, it was it was I don't know, I guess scary, <laughs> you know, because I, I I just uh, I didn't want to mess anything up. And breeding wise, I didn't really know what I was doing. I kind of just oh you know put the male in with the female, and I, you know and lower their temperatures a little bit. And luckily it worked. And then at one point she ovulated and I, you know, and then it went away and I didn't know what was going on. And, you know, and so I go back and research some more and, and, um, then she shed. And then, and then I was like, it was like close to 30 days later. And I'm like, Oh, I don't, I don't think she, I don't, I don't think she's gravid, you know, and it, she didn't look like it anymore. And, and, um, like a couple of days later, or I I told my wife I said, yeah, I guess I guess next year, you know. And then a couple of days later, she laid the eggs. So I, wow. <laughs> and now I'm kind of a little. I've got so much patience. You learn a lot of patience in breeding yeah. reptiles. I mean, oh, a yeah. lot of patience. It also <laughs> helps I have four kids, but reptiles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you learn a lot of patience. You have to you have to have patience, you know. Yep, absolutely. I know. All right, we're at the halfway point. Um everybody, I see that there's some callers on the line. Um we're just going to do a quick sponsor plug and we're going to come right back and we'll take your calls and also uh we'll get back into more uh interview with Steve. We're going to talk about uh breeding ball pythons. We're going to give you some pointers and tips if you're uh, interested in learning about them. Uh so stay tuned everybody. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. Gecko Nation Radio is sponsored by abdragons.com. is your source for the highest quality doobie roaches. Whether you're starting a colony of your own or just need feeders for your insect-eating herps, abdragons.com can't be beat in quality or price. They are also a huge distributor of FlexWatt Reptile Heat Tape and have very competitive pricing. Check out abdragons.com online and on Facebook. And if you're looking for quealty food for your dubia roaches, crickets, mealworms, and superworms, look no further than MS2 Premium Insect Chow. Made with reptiles in mind, it contains no dog food, cat food, or chicken mash. Using only vegetable proteins and high-quality ingredients, MS2 Premium Insect Chow will have your feeders making a beeline for it. Contact ms2ent.weebly.com or it can also be purchased at Rainbow Mealworms and AB Dragons. Rainbow Mealworms is the largest worm grower in the world and selling to the public since 1956. If you need the highest quality mealworms, superworms, and crickets for your pets, contact them at www. .rainbowmealworms.net Dale's Bearded Dragons is your one-stop source for any reptile supply products that you may need. 
from Exoterra, Zumed, Rapashi, Repcal, Fluker, and much, much more. And all at 20 to 50% cheaper than your local pet store or big chain pet store. They are also the biggest reptile supply distributor at most of the Northeast Expos. Contact them directly online at dalesbeardeddragons.com or message me on Facebook and I'll put you in touch with the owner. Gecko Boa Reptiles is your source for the highest quality leopard gecko morphs and wild types, from white and yellows to radars, amazing tremper morphs, and rare subspecies. John is a world-class breeder and extremely knowledgeable. If you're looking for something truly special in geckos, contact John Scarborough at geckoboa.com and on Facebook. Okay, everybody, we are back, and we did add a few more sponsors to our lineup. Uh, great breeders and a great business. Number one is Ohio Gecko, www.ohiogecko.com. Check out his tangerines, his fat tails, amazing snows, some very unique projects that he's working on. That does a great job with geckos. Um, definitely some of the best tangerines around. Between him and John Scarborough, uh, they got you covered with tangerines. Um, Supreme Gecko, Wally Kern, awesome breeder, awesome business, uh, www.supremegecko.com. If you like micro geckos, day geckos, crested geckos, uh, if you need food for them and stuff, you've got everything. Definitely check out Wally from supremegecko.com. And last but not least, uh, Reptiles Express is the best shipping company to get your animals where they need to go. If you're a new breeder and you're starting to sell for the first time and you're unsure of yourself, um, they're good. call Reptiles Express, ask for Debbie, and she's going to help you. She's very kind. Um, people love her all over the country. She's just an amazing person. Best customer service, and they're going to make sure your package gets to where it needs to go. They have all the contacts in FedEx. They can monitor it every step of the way. So reptilesexpress.com, awesome. My, it's the only shipping company that I use for, to ship my animals. All right, so, um, all right, everybody, we're back. I noticed that Dave Durham jumped in the chat room. If you guys don't know Dave, he's uh, the Lizard Whisperer. He's got a show coming up here in, uh, I think, at the end of the month. Uh, the 29th, I believe, is his episode. And uh, we're actually doing a two, a double episode that night between Dave and Ray Autry from uh, Rise Against Rattlesnake Roundups. So that's going to be a good one. And, uh, yeah, so, Steve, uh, let's get back into our talk tonight. And uh, you were telling us we were talking about the bull pythons and uh, what, why don't we talk a little bit about? Uh, actually, let's take a phone call first, and then we'll talk right. about breeding ball pythons. So All let's right. see. Caller from caller from the five five nine area code. You are live on Gecko Nation Radio. Hello, is this uh, Dave and Steve? Yes, it is. Who's this? Yeah. This is Dave. I've been. Uh, Really, just uh, calling on the phone so I could listen because my computer won't let me listen. <laughs> oh, it's Dave Durham. What's up, Dave? We were just talking about you. Yeah, I, I heard that. Uh, well, I was just, like I was saying, I was just calling because my computer won't let me listen on the on the okay. uh, phone. So, anyway, I wanted to listen to the program. I like the I like the video you just put out with the with the new doll for Buddy. Oh, you like that, huh? Yeah. yeah, that, yeah. Old, that that old doll was uh, getting kind of tore up by him, so I had to get him a new one. Yeah, buddy, <laughs> buddy likes the dolls. Yeah, that's cool. 
All right, well, Dave, I won't I won't take up your time. Thanks for listening. We'll let you go. All right, I'll, I'll be on right, in a peace. couple of weeks. I'll be able to talk to you more. All right. Cool. Sounds good. Later, bud. See you. All right, yeah, guys, check out Dave's channel. He's got a he's got a, a Cayman Brock iguana that plays with toys like a dog would. Isn't that amazing, Steve? Oh yeah, and he and he comes <laughs> when he's called. <laughs> he does. Yeah, they all come. Yep. He's got them yep. all trained. Amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. All right, I'm gonna take one more. Try one more call here. Call it from the two five three. Uh, I think I know who that is. Is that is that you? Elsa, Elsa, did you want? Are you calling to listen, or you, or you want me to uh, bring you on 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 the air? Just let me know. Um, and wait, here's a new call just jumped on too. Um, no, that's Dave again. All right, you know what? I don't know if we're going to take calls because I don't know who's listening and who's not. You know, this thing is. We need to figure out this this system because I when people call in, I don't know if they're listening or or if they're they want to be on the air. It's weird. You can't tell. Got a lot of callers, but huh. I don't want to just keep bringing random people on. But um, all right, Steve, let's get into our discussion then. Uh, so take somebody like myself. I'm a gecko guy. I'm interested in ball pythons. I find them beautiful, amazing. Um, they're finally becoming uh, into people's price ranges, and we're going to talk about the ball python market specifically. Tuesday with Jonathan Jonathan Fultz of Breeder Circle. Yeah. But uh, tonight tonight we're going to talk about, and Steve, you're going to be my co-host, so, uh, but tonight we're going to talk yep. about um, keeping and breeding them. And, uh, uh, and and you know what? I'm just going to ask you questions that I have. Like I said, okay. I'm a gecko guy, and, you know, I have questions about ball pythons. I, my, I'm just starting to get my female up to size. I don't think she's going to breed this year, but I never, I didn't power feed her, really. I've been kind of just... It's not really important to me to get her up to size. So she's actually three years old now, and uh, she's not ready. She's not up to size. She'll be ready by next year at this rate. But um, I have a pair of fires. I have a 1.1 fires, and I have my albino from you, and I also have a uh, male, um, uh, male. what is it that I'm getting Pinstripe. from? Pinstripe. Oh. No, no oh. not a pinstripe. Uh, don't you what have a pinstripe? It? Oh, I got rid of all those. I did. I had. Pictures. Oh, did you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I got rid of it's them. It's a, the one I have for you is a bumblebee, a That's male, right. male bumblebee. Right. Yeah. All right. Now, so say you're new to ball pythons. What? How big does the male have to be, and how big does the female have to be before they can be considered up to breeding size? Okay, a male should be around 600 grams or more, mm-hmm. and. Females should be at least fifteen hundred grams. That's what I go by. Yeah. Now I have heard that they can breed at smaller sizes, but I prefer those sizes. Okay. All right. Well, that's good to know. I think my female is at thirteen, thirteen and change right now. So that's too small. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to take a chance. She's going to. Yeah, but I'll... next year, she's going to be real nice. Next year, she'll yeah. she'll be breeding for you. And that okay. that that male fire you have is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, you can borrow them if you want to use them for something. Don't forget, you know, I'll let you. I'll send them out to you. He's not doing nothing here. All right. When is uh are they, are they breeding now? Is now the time? Yeah, I I'm guessing mine probably are set for the season. 
because I, I've been breeding since oct you know since October, end of October, okay. be beginning of November. That's one. That's one of the things with ball pythons is they. You basically start. <clears throat> their normal temperatures are going to be ambient of 80 degrees, and then a hot spot of 90 to 95. Then when and then you're going to keep that temperature throughout the summer. And I really don't do anything for my ambient. It it just it goes with the season and it happens to work out good for me. But mm -hmm. um, once October rolls around, throughout October, I I slowly lower the temperatures down about 10 degrees. So now your ambient's going to be, you know, 70 to 72, and then your hot spot's going to be between 80 and 85. And then you're going to do that all the way through till about now, this time of year, in March. And then you're going to slowly bring them back up to your normals, which is 80 and 90, 90 or 95 for the hot spot. Is, you know, okay. and, and throughout that season, like I start in October lowering the temperatures. By the end of October, I'm at, at my set temperatures. And then that's when I'm going to start introducing males to the females and they're going to copulate you know several times over the next couple of months and it may even take up to four months before the female actually ovulates it, so you're it's a long season for for uh ball pythons and you don't know it, they may not even lay eggs that season they may retain the sperm till the next following season and lay eggs that season so it, it's kind of tough wow. to know and unless you you know you see them ovulate then it, they may not until the following season they'll they'll hold on to it which i'm i'm wondering if my hat albino female is doing that this year because i haven't seen her lock up and but but i thought i saw an ovulation so <laughs> so she may have retained sperm from last year now, let me ask you this. I heard this weird thing, and I don't know if it's true, that if two males breed a female ball python, you could actually have a clutch that's double-sired. Like, for instance, you'll have some that are sired by the by one male and some babies that are sired by another male. Is that true? Yep. Last last that's year, actually, I, I hatched out a split-sire clutch. That's what they call it, split-sire clutch. And... One father was the lesser platinum, and one father was the bumblebee. And I so out of that clutch, I believe it was nine eggs altogether. I think I I ended up with two bumblebees, two pastels, and then two lessers, and then a lesser a blonde pastel lesser, which is that, uh, that to me that's amazing. Yeah. To me, well, just getting that clutch, cutting that clutch was just like, you know, I can't even describe how I felt, you know, just seeing yeah. all, you know, the diff all the different stuff come out of there. Is, is, you know, and my collection's not very big. I don't have, you know, all these extravagant morphs. It's I have a lot of basic stuff that I like, but um, yep. But, but yeah, quality I, I, animals. Very oh quality. yeah, they're high quality yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. 
And you've yeah. got videos of, of all these, you know, of, of you uh, opening the eggs and everything, too, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's right. And I imagine if I, if I bred oh, uh, BC Barker Creations on YouTube. Okay, cool. And I, I imagine if, if you bred, I mean, there's the possibility, if you can have a split sire clutch with two, if you're if you're interchanging three or four males, I mean, I believe it'd be possible just to have four different fathers out of the same clutch, too. It's wow. absolutely yeah. possible. Totally possible. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I and love they that, can though. Retain its sperm. And they can retain it till next season, too, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's weird. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. We have a caller like here for you. Oh, yeah. I, I did, too. I think it, it just adds to the overall excitement of, of breeding them. Like, you really just don't know what you're going to yeah. get. And if you have doubts about one male... Uh, you know, getting the job done, and you use another male. That you—that's wow. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. All right, we're gonna take we're gonna take this call. I know who it is. Call from the four three two area code. You're alive on Gecko Nation Radio. Hey Dave. Hey Steve. This is Daryl. How y'all doing this evening? Big Pretty Darryl. good. How are you, you? Great, man. Uh, happy birthday, Steve. By the way. Thank you. <laughs> And, and I knew, uh, just listening to you and watching videos, I knew there was something great about you being from the great state of Texas and all. Yeah. Where were you That's born right, at? Darryl were you born in Texas? I was born in New York, though. Oh, were you? Yeah. Where did you Where live in Texas? Um, I, I, can't, I know that we visited Dallas a lot. I'm not sure exactly where in Texas, but I know that we, we visited Dallas a lot when we were down there. Like there you go. Of, well, using East Texas in the Piney Woods around there, there's a lot of snakes and stuff back in that part of the country for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, wait, hey, I got a couple of questions for you. Do what? What day? Is that is that where you go snake hunting? No, I actually uh, back whenever whenever I was big into the snakes, which was 30 years ago, we we did a lot of it in uh, in the Trans Pecos down in the Big Bend region. Uh, up up. More going uh, east uh, in the in the Valverde County, which is where the alternatives of gray bands really hit it big. Whenever everybody was looking for them, um, you know, stuff down in the valley, South Texas, you know, get a few things, but mostly west, mostly west. I grew up in a little town just south of Odessa, which is right in the middle between El Paso and Dallas. So I was gotcha. closer to the Trans Pecos. Okay. okay, cool. All right. So, what's your questions for us, Daryl? Well, I've got two. Uh, I noticed that you you were always cutting the egg on those ball pythons. Yeah. In the old days, we never did that unless we were concerned that they'd been in, you know, too long. Then we might do it. But I noticed that a lot of you ball python guys do that. What's the what's um, the Scoop you there. really you really don't have to. It's mostly because we've grown impatient and can't wait to see what comes out. <laughs> exactly. That's you know mostly why why everybody cuts them early. But you really don't have to. Yeah, we never did it unless, like I say, you know, I mean, back in those days, uh, you know, I mean, I was going to college uh, in Alpine, which is just north of Big Bend, but in the Davis Mountains, but. Heck, we were just trying to keep everything alive, you know, and like you say, I mean, we used to, 
get Glades Herbs, Bill Love's newsletter, you know, and just drool over stuff that he was importing. But, yeah. you know, and get a few things. I, I remember whenever the the Burmese hit it, you know, the first albino Burmese, he had it on his list, you know, for like 25000 bucks or something like that. It was yeah. ungodly. <laughs> you know, and things like that. And I, I've told Dave this story. I I can remember in about 85, 86, somewhere around there, mid-80s, getting two fat tail geckos from him, one banded and one striped that he had imported. And I think that was the first stripes. That was the first thing, you know, I'd ever seen. I thought fat tails were, were wild, you know. But, we, of course, we didn't know anything about them. I didn't breed them. Just trying to keep them alive. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's what I remember those days. We were just keeping things alive. And, you know, yeah. We had the... Uh, the stamp stamp collections of reptiles, you know. Exactly. You didn't worry about having pairs. You worried about having one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, and then then whenever, like I said, when we started catching alternas and other colubrids, you know, in Texas, then then we uh, uh, really tried to keep it strict locality stuff. I can remember only breeding alternas from the same road cut or picked up on the same stretch of highway, you know, I mean, that, and that's the way we named them in the old days. You had Pandale Dirts or Juno Roads or 277s or Christmas Mountains, Davis Mountains, you know, Black Gap. I mean, you, you know, you had all these strict localities, and I mean, well, that's the way we bred them because they were all unique, you know, in, in what they looked like. So, uh, you know, I mean, I, that's why I... Uh, you know, and Dave, I've talked, I've, I chat with Dave quite often, and uh, I know he gets tired of me, but that's why yeah, I like the species. I the, the, <laughs> the pure species stuff that I've gotten from John is just incredible. Oh yeah. And uh, nice. you know, so I, you know, and I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sitting on three eggs, one uh, sun glow, and two bandits that I've just had in the last two, last ten days, and. And but I'm breeding everything. I'm keeping everybody's stuff pretty pure this season. I'm not doing anything crazy or radical. And and you're also trying to um, trying to put your wife in the grave early and try to get into snakes too now, right? Oh man, if 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 it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for her, I, I would be big into the snakes because that's I remember. And I, I got out of it about 1989, I believe, is when I got out and I moved back back home but and gave all my stuff to a buddy of mine in Fort Davis and uh I think I had four hundred snakes at the time in a spare bedroom in cages. Wow. And, oh, wow. You know, I mean yeah. and I, I'll never forget uh I started getting uh, you know, the corn snakes from from Kathy Love. You know, Bill Bill took all the credit. Kathy's the one that bred all that stuff. Probably still does, but Yeah, she does, uh, yeah. You know, and I and I, I had about Oh, I don't know, thirty or forty. I remember I got the first blood corns that he that they produced. Some of the first ones. Oh, wow. And uh, man, they were hard to keep alive. They were real finicky. Didn't like to eat. And uh, but anyway, I told that buddy of mine. I said, "Here, take these." I said, "This is the ticket. This is the the wave of the future." And I think this is exactly where we are with leopard geckos right now. Is you know. Uh, you look at the morphs that that came out of all the corn snakes because back then there was about ten maybe. You know, you didn't have the the motleys and the stripes and all that. You just had, you know, you had you had the 
a few wild. I remember having two or three different Key Island corn snakes, you know, wild wild types and okatees, and then you know the the albinos and the you know all the, just the snows and and Miami you know, phase. And the Miami, yeah, you know they we didn't have any of this dream sickle and candy, you know, back then it was just starting, and I think that's. Uh, where we're at with leopard geckos. I mean, whenever I got out of the ball pythons, like you were talking, y'all were talking about earlier, there was just wild imports. Nobody yeah. was breeding them. I think we had heard rumor of somebody had an albino, you know. Uh, but you know, look look at how they've blossomed in what fifteen, oh, yeah. eighteen years. You know, and then you can basically look the same way with the leopard geckos. I mean. You know, probably what in the last eight or ten years, everything's probably exploded really in the last seven or eight years. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's, we're just getting started, Daryl. I think so. Exactly, and you know, and you, the thing is, it's it's a numbers game. Like I've always told Dave, we've talked about it. You know, a true leucistic is going to show up. Uh, it's just a numbers game. The more people that are breeding them, um, the more numbers that you produce. You know the chances of finding something really, really cool in a new mutation is going to happen, and when yeah. that one hits, if we ever, and, and somebody may have one, you know, I mean, you never know about old guys like Matt and Ron and guys like that that have been doing it for a while. You know, if they've got one, they're just not ready to release it yet, and it could be out there. You yeah, know, you never and, know. Yeah. And if it, and it, when it comes, if a true leucistic comes, it's going to change. It'll be a game changer. Game changer with all the Steve could have it. Steve <laughs> could have it. That's exactly yeah. right. You never know. I'm, I'm afraid Steve's like me though. I think he, I think down down deep in his heart, he's a snake guy. Oh yeah. Yeah, but we're converting <laughs> him though. Converting. Yeah. Him. I, I'm, yeah, a rep, yeah. I'm a reptile guy. I right. like them all. <laughs> Uh, that's true. You know, I, I, man, I can remember, you know, there was guys, there was a guy in El Paso that would import stuff, and there was one guy in Odessa, Midland that would import stuff. And I can remember going to their house, and they'd get a shipment in, and you would look at all these Central American milk snakes, you know, that were, you know, and they, they all came in as Honduran, period, bang, in the story. You know, and, I mean, you could look in there, and there would be, you know, a uh, uh, Aquarium that might have fifty or sixty uh, milk snakes in it, and you could pick out four or five different ones. You know, just just looking at them. You know, you know, we would I would go through and pick out different things, and you know, and then then the, like you said, they would come in all infested with ticks and parasites, and then it was trying to keep them alive. And if you did, you know, you, you could find some weird stuff, neat stuff, but. But I'm afraid a lot of those mm-hmm. days are over. You're gonna, you're not gonna see the big import. They're still importing some stuff, but not like they used to. Great, yeah, yeah. that's over. So, in a way, it's yeah, interesting yeah. too. Well, sure it is. It, 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 it's a good thing for for people that have them, and you know, like you guys that are doing it for, you know, making a living out of it or, or you know, making some income. It's a good thing. You know, if they quit importing them, and people are still going to want them, and, and like I've always said, if you produce nice quality stuff there's always going to be a market for it oh yeah 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 that's it if we can keep the federal yeah if we can keep the federal government out of it so well that's the key yeah yeah that's right well we're gonna fight them to the end daryl there you go 
There you, <laughs> you like go. Yeah, I was, I, I was, I wish I'd have been online. I was going to chime in on the uh, false story of of being the uh, reptile bite because I've been bit, you know, no telling how many times while out <laughs> hunting, you know, while while keeping them, and I have never had a issue with getting bit by by a colubrid or <laughs> or a python or. You know, I got nailed by about a nine-foot male uh, Burmese python one time. That, ouch! Oh, those big, yeah, those wow. big recurve teeth—they they hurt. You bleed. Jeez, horse yeah. so, right behind that bite must have hurt too. Just the well, and, and it's like y'all were talking about. The problem is, is you're feeding everything right, so you've got rats in your hands and rats on your hands, and so you reach mm-hmm. in there, you get callous, and you grab him, and he smells rat, and bang, you know. Not not his fault, you know. No, it isn't. So, and he just he just thought it was food time. Yeah, and you you know, and that's the other thing that people need to think about is is whenever you only mess with them when you're feeding them, they get uh, they 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 it's a learned behavior. You open up the cage, they know food's coming. Yeah, yeah. And uh, my collection actually during the day is the only time I handle them. Mm-hmm. And at night is when I feed them, and I think they know that. That's smart. I think, yeah. I think they know that it's you know if I'm open in the cage after nine o'clock at night, they're they're in a feeding response, right? Immediately, right. so they they've learned a schedule with me. Sure. That's how that's how I do mine. I don't handle them at night. I only handle them during the day. Yeah, that's smart because they they get uh, they they get trained just like a dog. I mean. You know, they 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 start looking for food. They're yeah, it's a learned behavior Darryl for sure. The, uh, Darryl likes the uh, the blue eyed leucistics, the super Oh my goodness, yes. Oh yeah. yeah. You know we you know that I can remember I've, I told Dave this story I think, but I went to the first Breeders Expo in Orlando in 1987, and I can remember seeing the. Oh, it was probably 13, 14, 15 foot leucistic retic, and it was there on exhibit. And I mean, that was the coolest snake I'd ever seen in my life. I thought, wow, you know. And I mean, it's huge. You know, retics are heavy bodies anyway, and it was nasty. You know, being leucistic, their vision is even worse. And <laughs> and I mean, it, you know, they're nasty to begin <laughs> with. But but uh, that was just, I, I mean, that's a beautiful snake. You know, it it was so oh, white yeah. with with black eyes. It, it didn't even look real, you know. Like like the sure first albino Burmese. Are you sure it was a berm? Was it a leucistic? No, it was a retic. It was a retic. Hmm. I think that okay. was the first one. It wasn't a berm. The, the, you know about you know, the, Bob Clark's berm, right? The albino. Yeah, 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 yeah. Berm. Yeah. Yeah, that thing's amazing. Yeah. He, oh my gosh, yeah. I liked. I tell you what else I like, and I saw it on his web page, and I told Dave about. It. I like the uh, mimosa. The thing they're oh, yeah. calling a mimosa, kind of a slate gray, bluey with looks like kind of orangish tinges or overtones in it. That thing was that's really, really nice too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and that, that's where that we're making. going. That, that's that's where we're going with the uh, with the leopard geckos too. Oh, the fat tails! Oh, yeah. Look at the fat tails! Look what the fat tails are doing. I mean, you know, I mean, goodness, there's all kinds of stuff out there that's really, really nice. Well, we have so. some morphs now where we can, the, the combinations are, the, the, the combinations that we can potentially make are, 
you know, mathematically infinite almost, you know, just by, oh, yeah. you know. It's so anybody out there can be unique and, and do their own thing. And with the ball pythons, it is infinite. I mean, there is literally, I don't know, what do you guys have, like 150 morphs now that are known? Yeah, and oh. endless combinations. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's well, so that's the many. thing with the leopard geckos, with the with the co-dominance, the dominance, and the you know the seven recesses that we have. You you know what those are, and then on top of that, if whenever you start line breeding those, you know, yep. I mean, just look at look at some of the stuff that that you know people are, you know, you, we see them every day on the on the Facebook page. You know, look at some of the animals, you know, that are that people, you know, like John and Marsha, you know, and they're. Their their orange stuff sad, you know that that G sixty three project. Wow, you know, come on, mm-hmm. doesn't get any better than that, you know. I Matt know. Matt's pretty secretive, you know. I mean he he's doing his thing, but he doesn't throw a lot of lot of stuff out there, you know, to to the public. I mean, I'm sure you guys that know him know a little bit more what he's doing. I'd like to I'd like to see deeper into his collection, you know. But I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's just amazing. You know, I, I've had the fortunate, uh, the, the good fortune of going and seeing Ron twice now, because he only lives about four and a half hours away from me. Which, for you guys up I'm there, jealous. that's a long way. In, yeah, for y'all, that's a long way in Texas. That's just a Sunday afternoon trip, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. but I, I've gone to his place twice, and I mean, Cade just walks in there, and I mean, he's just in awe. You know, when you're you're eight years old and you get to see that many animals, you know, and and go look at stuff and. The last time we were there, the first thing that Cade wanted to see was a pie, a ball, a pied ball python. He wanted to hold it, and nice. he's he's just enamored with the pieds. I don't know why, but that's what he wants. But right. Mama won't let him have one. <laughs> not yet. No. Not until that man cave. Not is built. Yeah, when I get the man cave finished, I was working <laughs> on that a little bit this weekend. But uh, yeah, so she's 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 put her foot down. You know, she doesn't like. Uh, the tarantulas or the geckos, really, but she's let us do that, and you know she says no snakes in her house, so <laughs> so we have to go that we have to live by her rules for a little while. So just build that other thing outside; it's not her house, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, to her, if it's on the property, it's her house. So so we're uh, we're 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 trying to uh, wean her. You know, the, here's the thing: I can't wait to hatch some baby geckos. She likes the little ones. When they're little, she likes them. She likes to hold them. When they get a little bigger, you know, she's not near as enamored with them, but the babies she thinks are just sweet and cool. She said, can you keep them that size? And so that's what we need to do. We need to come up with a dwarf leopard gecko. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. that's something. I've had some really small ones out of little eggs, but they don't. They kind of just grow big and get normal size after a while. Yeah. But, uh, Man, you know, the funny thing is, you know, uh, that sun glow I got from New Dave had the one egg. You know, the first egg we found was one, and I thought that was a pretty decent egg. Then the two banded eggs that went 29 days, they're nearly twice the size of uh, of that sun glow egg. They were big. Interesting. Really, hmm. really big. I, I tell you how... probably start laying bigger eggs soon, you know? Yeah, you know, I, I mean, that was her first go, and, and, you know, the bandit is nearly two years old. Uh got those from Ron last 4th of July, and... You know they were already over a year old then, so they were they're bigger geckos. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know she the, the sun glow was only about fifty five grams, 
And then, the, of course, the bandits, both of those, the males over 70 and the females, you know, 65. Interesting. So, yeah. Yeah. You got some variation. Oh, yeah. And it's fun, though. I mean, Kate is just loving it. You know, as soon as the eggs hit the ground, the next question out of his mouth is, when will they hatch, Dad? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we're we're playing the waiting game now. So yeah, yeah all of us are. Oh, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Hey, I'm really intrigued too, Steve. One more thing, and I'll let you guys go. I know you got other things you want to talk about, but uh, the the I, and I even sent you a message on it about the uh, incubator you made out of the the igloo cooler. I thought that oh, was yeah. real yeah. creative and. And uh, I haven't done one yet, but I've, I, I do have a monster fridge, mini fridge that I've picked up that I'm fixing. I'm in the process. Of, I just got the stuff in to do it, so I'm fixing to build it. But I need a couple more. So. Nice. But who knows? But you guys get after it. And, uh, Steve, I enjoy your videos and, and uh, the quality work you do with your uh, uh, intros for all the new guests. I think that is great. Uh, Thank you. Y'all keep up the good work, and uh, who knows, one of these days you may be rich and famous. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Hopefully. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, happy uh, birthday, Steve, and Dave. We'll be hollering at you. Thank you right, so thank much. You much All right. Y'all take care. All right. Nice, bud. <laughs> All right. Daryl's got his own episode coming up. He's uh, He's got a lot of great, like, history knowledge, like, uh, you know, Steve, he was, maybe you could co-host this episode with me. He and I uh, were talking, and, you know, he, he's, he was back in it when you and I were starting, and he was, he had his own uh, mouse breeding operation. And they used wow. to advertise in, yeah, they used to advertise in Reptile and Amphibian Magazine. I forget the name of it. Uh, you know, I forget, it was a common one at the time. But, uh, yeah, see, he's, he's no stranger to, to snakes and herpetoculture at all. But, um you know, getting getting back to the ball pythons, and maybe we can touch on on making your incu- your own incubator too tonight. Um, you've made an incubator out of a out of a the mouse factory. That's what it was. That was his business. Um, you've made an incubator out of a dishwasher, didn't you? Yeah. Yep. Dishwasher. <laughs> that's, that's uh, the great. dishwasher. Yeah. The dishwasher broke on us, and it and then it had a countertop. It was a, it was a dishwasher that was on wheels basically like a little island type thing and um it's airtight and it holds it's insulated and it holds temperature great (laughs) all i did was gut it out and and block off a few holes that were that you know that i took parts out of and and then i insulated a little more and just added flex watt and (laughs) And a thermostat and nice. fan, yeah. And, and, it, fan. and I like yeah. it because it has it has it has the racks, you know how a dishwasher rack is that pulls out, so I can set my clutches right. on there and slide it back in like a drawer. That's yeah. awesome. And you and you didn't throw away a big dishwasher. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, actually, I'm working. About I'm working cooler, on getting right? another one. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I I made um, out of an American-made igloo cooler, because <laughs> I purposely went out looking for American-made, and um, and um, there's uh, it's called an Incu Kit. I can't remember the company. Um, 
but it's it's called an Incu kit, and it's all built in thermostat, heat, and fan, all built in, and it's and its purpose for, is for a small incubator. So I I took and built two of those, and what I'm using those for is for um, leopard geckos. I'll I'll set one for females, one to jump the temperature up a little bit to graduate it to a higher temperature, and then and then they can go to the final high temperature incubator. So you know I have a okay. transition, so that I can transition them through through the temperatures for females. Ah, okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's interesting. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, you should I, do a video I, I, on how you make I, those too. Oh, oh, there is a there is a video on how to make the. I did a video on the on the dishwasher and the cooler actually on okay. YouTube, so you can check that okay, out. Cool. Them. Yeah. Nice. All right. Yeah, let's talk a little I bit like, more about the I like, I like building stuff. Oh. <laughs> I like, well, I I like making you, all my stuff. Saves a lot. You're on your own racks. Yeah. Yep. Great job on those, too. Yeah, now, do you, have any, you, you have all back heat in them, too, right? Uh, for the ball pythons, it's back heat, but I'll be switching them. Once I move, once we move and everything, I'm going to be switching them to belly heat because it, it's so more, it's so much more efficient than yeah. than the back heat. The back heat, you lose a lot of heat. Yeah. Um, a trick? Did you have an insulate? Did you have, if you put a foam board behind it, one of those, they're like three quarters of an inch thick. They're they're hard foam, like they're pink, but they're hard foam board. If you put that behind the flex lot. Um, it'll it'll help insulate it from escaping through the back, and you can you know try to keep you can keep, it'll help you keep more of that heat in there. I don't know if you've done that or not, but uh, actually the the back is three quarter inch melamine. Also, there's really sturdy racks. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah, those are heavy as hell too. I bet. They good. <laughs> yeah, I, I like I like to build stuff to last forever <laughs> if I can. Yep. Yeah, no, they, they look great, and I see in your videos, you know, behind the, that that little room of yours is is that in your basement? No, that's that's off my ma- off the master bedroom of my house. And it's not that big of a room, but it's you got a lot going on in there, right? Yeah, it's it's probably eight, I don't know, probably six or eight by twelve, roughly. Okay. okay. Yeah, and then. Hmm. Um, and then I have other racks that are outside of that room too. So <laughs> nice. Now that's yeah. cool. All right. Well, getting back to the ball python breeding. Um, so you know, you got your. We got to the point basically where uh, we have our female. She's ovulating, and uh, you know, we we know about the. You know, you can have you know clutch aside by two different males. Um, now for the egg incubation. And Daryl brought up a good point uh, about cutting the eggs. They call it pipping, right? Yeah. Um, now, w- let's talk about incubation. Now, how long do you incubate ball python eggs for? And are they sex determined? Uh, temperature sex determined, like leopard geckos? No, they're not sex sex temperature. I wish they were, but you can't mm-hmm. you can't set their sex at all. Unfortunately, maybe down the road, maybe somebody will figure it out, but. And I, I incubate at 89 degrees is what I incubate at. And at that temperature, it takes approximately 56 to 58 days to hatch 
roughly. And um, but usually I cut at about fifty four or fifty five. Every okay, now, now and why then. do people cut them? Because you get so close to the time, and you're like, well, I want to see what's in them. I want to know what's what's going to hatch out, and and you can you can cut them without hurting them. Interesting. And when when you yeah. cut them, what if you notice that it's not done maturing, or or are they almost always done maturing by that time? Yeah, they're. If you wait till, like I said, about 54 days, some people I know I've heard cut at like 48 days, and I won't do that. But I guess they'll be okay. But once they hit that 54 days, they're usually good to go. And they, they'll still stay in the egg for a couple of days. Okay. You know, and then they'll they'll absorb the yolk and, and eventually come out. So basically, you're preventing them from, uh, you know, if there's any issues that could arise from the natural hatching process, you're eliminating that by, you know, making that initial right. slice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because right. there is so, a chance. There is a chance that, you know, they they could drown. You know, they might not make mm-hmm. it out of the egg and drown. Which I've I've had leopard geckos that haven't made it out of the egg. So far, I've been good with the. The ball pythons. I've only ever had one egg go bad, mm-hmm. but I have had leopard geckos that didn't make it all the way out of the egg. You know. Yeah, and, I have. I have too. Yeah, I mean, you you can't avoid it. You'll you're gonna lose eggs no matter what. It's not gonna be a hundred percent every time. No, that's definitely not the case. And and for people listening that are getting into breeding leopard geckos, you, you should almost expect. Uh, some losses. It's just yeah. It's just part of it's just part of it. Yeah, and most of the things that occur usually are infertile eggs or eggs that don't that wind up rotting before the leopard gecko hatches, or um, they just never hatch. They get fully developed and then they just never make it out of the egg for whatever reason. You know, it's it happens. Yeah, it's yeah. I, I don't. I've heard of I've heard of some people cutting leopard gecko eggs. I've never done it. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's recommended or not. Yeah, right. I don't know. It seems like uh, leopard geckos tend to expand, so there's no real room for you to get to cut. You know what I mean? Right. Because yep. you know, the closer they get to hatching, they start to expand a little bit. Then they're going to start yep. sweating, and then you know they don't like. Ball python eggs tend to deflate in the last, you know, week to two weeks. They'll start deflating. So they'll look like mm-hmm. they're dry, basically drying up. So okay. you have room on them to cut them. So you can kind of pinch a section of the, the egg that has deflated and cut without any damage to, you know, to the animal at all. But leopard mm-hmm. geckos, okay. I don't know. I I wouldn't chance leopard geckos. Yeah, and you know they're so prolific too. It's really not necessary, in my opinion. I mean, uh, the females like if you have a good egg laying female, she's going to give you eight eight or more good eggs anyway. And uh, yeah, you know that, that that's my next question to you. Being a being like a ball python breeder, you've recently over the last season or two made the transition to geckos. Um, what what do you, how do you feel about leopard geckos? What do you think? 
Oh, I love them. I mean, uh, it, it's it's the same thing as snakes. For me, I mean, they're all just amazing. You know, you just you watch them and, you know, just observe what they're doing and how they react to you. I mean, I, even the snakes, they, they react to you. I have snakes that you take out that don't want you to put them back. <laughs> they want you to handle them. And I have geckos. Um, leopard geckos that do the same thing. They'll they'll try to stay on my on my hand. You know they don't want you to put them back. I think you know I think they seek attention sometimes. You know I th- I believe that's yeah I I definitely agree with that. Some of them are very personal. Some not, yeah. some aren't, but some most of them can be. Oh yeah. And, uh, I think it's the stimulation the uh, mental stimulation that they that they are looking for. I mean, in nature, they're pretty active at night, and uh, they, they actually live a pretty precarious lifestyle. They're, they're hunted by birds of prey at night, uh, snakes, scorpions. They're, they're basically a prey, prey animal where they're, they're food for many other things. Um, we eliminate those threats in captivity, of course, but um, so I think in, in they are missing some of their... Uh, mental stimulation, so to speak, and so they do look for it. I, and I think they're pretty smart. Yeah. What do you think about their intelligence level? Oh, I, I, I think they're smart. I mean, I have, I have geckos that, as soon as I come into the room, and I talk to all the animals. So, so, <laughs> and I, I don't know if it's my voice or what, but they'll come right out, and yeah. come right up, up to me. You know, so. I, I think they're pretty smart. Yeah, no, I do too. Um, something I want to definitely transition into with our conversation, Steve, is the radio show. And, uh, you know, as you know, uh, I started my radio career. My first radio show was was pretty good, but it, it didn't, you know, turn out so well. And we all, you know, learn from our failures in life. And, you know, if you have enough failures, sooner or later you get on something great and, uh, Gecko Nation Radio has become a success, and it's uh, because of your involvement. And, uh, and of course, thank you so much for deciding to, you know, do this endeavor with me. But uh, uh, what do you like about the show, and how do you think we're doing overall? And uh, what are your feelings about uh, coming on board as uh, with with your contributions? Um, first, I appreciate you asking me you know, to, to be part of it. And, um, I like where it's going. Yeah. We're doing good, right? Yeah. I think so. I wish we had more time to do more. Yeah. I wish I had, I I know know what I was, I don't know what I was thinking the first time around, but I wish I would have just asked you first (laughs) to do the first show with me. (laughs) (laughs) I really do. But yeah. I think, you know, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, we wouldn't be here right now doing this show if, you know, I didn't learn from mistakes I've made in the past. So I think, uh, you know, it, it's, it works out good. But, you know, your your videos and uh, the audio work is so important. And why don't you tell us a little bit about the videos and how you how you do them? Um, well... I try to approach each one differently. I try to research everybody and figure out, 
you know, what would fit them the best. And, you know, and I have, I have certain people obviously that, that I, I think have contributed, you know, more and, you know, that's why they get a little more, uh, a little more done to their videos. But, but I, I just, I, I go through, you know, and if they have videos, I'll watch them to see, I try to fit the video to the person. I don't know, you know, and, and, or, or honor that person in some way, if I can. Right. Um, you know, it the, have more time where you can do a really good video for each and every guest, you know, there's just not enough time though, right? No, no. I mean, I, I could, I could definitely, I think I could do better, but it, it's, you know, each, each week uh, I basically have a week or two if I can get ahead to, to do the video, but you know, and then it takes a lot of time and I work full time and plus I got animals to take care of. So, you know, mm-hmm. if I could, if I could train my kids, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, ideally, if, 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 wouldn't it be a perfect world if Gecko Nation Radio was a pay job and you, you could quit your job and just focus totally on doing uh, media for the show? Oh, it, wouldn't that be it awesome? Would, it would be a dream job. It really would I know. be. I know. It's, yeah, a shame. It it's a shame that can't be a reality. <laughs> yeah, maybe someday. You know, there's people out there that get paid big bucks to do radio shows. And there I've listened to some radio shows and I don't think they're any better or worse than 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 myself. I'm not saying I'm a great host, but by any means I have no training at all in, in radio, but um I've heard some people out there that do radio shows and I'm like, Really? Like you went to school for that and you're making more money than me? Um, something's wrong here. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's weird. So, I don't know. I I think though the future, if we keep doing what we're doing, and uh, if if the community still you know likes what we're doing, and we're able to keep it edgy and new and fresh and interesting, um, who knows what the future could bring? And basically, this is this is something that you and I do to give back to the community. It's not like we're making any money doing it. And it's just our way of uh, sharing our enthusiasm. That's basically what it yeah. is, right? Yeah. Right. And that, you do a lot of that with your YouTube channel. And uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know how many countless videos you've done basically um, doing shout-outs for people and getting helping new hobbyists gain exposure and make more yeah. new contacts. and. I think that's that's an important thing that that you do. I wish you know I wish I had the time to do more of that. And basically, what I found is when I used to do shout outs for people, um, other people felt left out, and I would get bombarded with so many people asking me to do them, and I just can't do them for everybody. So I I don't do the shout outs anymore because if I do it for one person, I'm going to have to do it for everybody in order for me to feel like you know I didn't do an injustice. But um, yeah, so I know. Do it with the route. Yeah, the way you do it with the rally correct files is uh, is good, and you know it's it's a meaningful thing because you're helping people connect with other reptile uh, enthusiasts, and they could make friendships that are that could last a lifetime that way. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I haven't done a rally for reptiles in a little while, but I really want to get that going again. Um, I did start a Rally for Reptiles Facebook page. 
I didn't, I did, it's oh, not cool. public or anything, but just I'm kind of mm-hmm. gearing up to uh, hopefully get it going again. I'm kind of in limbo at the moment with uh, possibly moving and everything, and so I, I've put a lot of stuff on hold just because I didn't oh. want to get involved in it, you know, and yeah. then end up ha- having all this stuff to do and... But I, it will, it will happen again. I'll be doing rally for reptiles, and because I, I really had a good time doing it, and and uh, especially going to White Plains and doing the rally for reptiles from the expos. You know, yeah. I, 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 that was the best. That was the best yeah. time right there. That's right. I remember that. Um, yeah. Wow. Well, well, you know what? We're we're getting towards the end of the show here, Steve. And uh, before we before we wrap things up, though, um, what do you see for the future in uh, in, in your particular um, in, in your particular interest in your hobby? There, what do you what do you see yourself doing? Um, I mean, animal wise, as far as I, there's so many things that I'm interested in. I really like to get into you know some green tree pythons at some point. Um, I, I've had an interest in blood pythons. I mean, pretty much any snake is a possibility. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, gecko wise, I I could go anywhere with the geckos and and like it. I mean, there's so many out there that you know that uh, that I I could be uh, day geckos have caught my interest a little bit. Um, but as far as my collection now, I'm really going to concentrate on, on one of the simplest morphs I have for ball pythons is the blonde pastel. And I I think I'm going to line breed that out and try to get the best looking I could out of it. And, um, I'm going to, it's going to, I'm going to keep it separate, which that's one thing with the ball pythons that. I think is going on. There's so many people doing it. There's a lot of things being mixed up out there. And you, you know, you might not even know what you're getting because there's so many people doing it. But, um, you know, a blonde pastel and a pastel coming out of the same clutch, you're not going to be able to tell them apart. Um, a lesser platinum and a butter coming out of a clutch, you're not going to be able to tell them apart. You know, more than likely you can't. Um, right. So I, I, I'm blonde pastel, though I really want to get into everything. <laughs> and there's not too many people that have blonde pastels, I don't think. Mm, yeah, they're not very common, that's for sure. And yeah, you're making the lesser blonde pastels too, right? Yeah, yeah. I hatched out oh, one right. blonde blonde pastel lesser last year, uh, out of that split sire clutch we were talking about earlier, and. Um, this year I'm only breeding her to to the lesser, and I'm probably going to hold back all the all the female blonde pastels, and one male, maybe two males. Hopefully I come out with with what I'm looking for, but <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. I'm going to hold back all the females and and at least a male. Well, you know, there. I bet you I bet you Daryl will be interested in. If you produce a blue-eyed Lucy, he'll grab one from you if you if you decide to let any go. 
Yeah, eventually that's where I'm heading, to the blue-eyed logistic. And it, I don't know what a, a, you know, I don't know what a blonde pastel blue-eyed leucistic would look like. I don't know if it would be even whiter because, you know, the pastel is brighter. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I don't know. Well, it'd be cool to have the gene in there for any, anyway, though, you know, the extra gene. Yeah. yeah. Well, I see in the, I see in the chat room, Marcy is sending you a birthday present, Steve. Oh, thank you, Marcy. <laughs> she goes, I, I bet you know what it is. <laughs> Oh, I can guess. <laughs> yeah, Daryl just te- Daryl just texted me. He said, "Tell him I'm in." That means he's gonna want one for me if you decide to sell any. All right, cool. <laughs> Daryl doesn't play around. He, he he if he sees something he likes, he grabs it. Right, Daryl? He just uh, he <laughs> he he knows what he wants and he grabs the good stuff. So yeah, he's nice. got some nice nice uh, nice lines going. But uh, all right, Steve. We got only a couple minutes left. Um, this is your time for closing remarks to the audience and for your uh, two hours of fame. What would you like to close the show with? Um. Well, to keep it going with ball pythons, just uh, be aware on who who you're getting from, you know, and ask for references as far as like I can produce I can produce paperwork to show where my animals can come from and a lot of people cannot do that and I if I get something from someone I'm asking them for that you know and unless it's obviously someone I've dealt with before that I trust um, but I've heard a lot of bad stuff about ball pythons and it's usually Unfortunately, the breeder, you know, is not a very reputable person. Mm-hmm. And it happens a lot. And we get yeah, it does. It, it's just... it does. Yeah. Okay. Anything else then, Steve? Um. Yeah, actually, there's there's one thing that I get asked the most about ball pythons before we go. <laughs> is okay. my ball python won't eat. How can I get it to eat? The Good simplest question. way, yeah, the simplest way to get your ball python to eat is to leave them alone. Don't handle them. Just leave them totally alone unless, you know, you got to clean the cage or whatever. But only when you absolutely have to for two weeks to a month and he'll probably eat. I mean, it I I get asked that all the time, and I, and I, I think people do handle them too much because they are friendly. <laughs> you know, you want to pick yeah. them up. I I want to, but but that that can stress them out and make them not eat. I think that's really the biggest problem with not with ball pythons that won't eat is is they're being handled too much. They're stressed, right? Yeah. And I, I only handle mine once a week. That's, each snake gets handled once a week. That's it. I, I don't mess around with them, and, and they don't get stressed out. And I, and oh, and at, at about 350 to 450 grams, they're going to stop eating it for for about four months. <laughs> almost guaranteed. Is that what happens? Yeah, I, I've noticed it in almost every snake I have at about 350 to 4, 450 grams. 
they stop eating for about three to four months. They absolutely hmm. just stop, won't eat, and you're going to freak out the whole time, just like I did. <laughs> and then all of a sudden they're just going to start pounding food and never stop again. <laughs> That's just, they're, they're, they're weird. Okay. Well, yeah, I have a female that's not eating right now, my female flyer. I just, uh, you know, I'm not stressing out over it. She's got good weight, you know? Yeah, and it's it's the season. It's the season, too. Because they they can, reptiles can feel air pressure, temperature, all that. They they react to all of that. They can feel all that. They know when it's colder outside, even if your temperature doesn't change inside. They know the air pressure is different. You know, oh, yeah. it, it react to all that stuff. So it, she's probably just reacting to the season, and she, you know, she may have the mindset that she's ready to breed. Because in the wild, even they, if she's not, you know, yeah, right. She could, she could still possibly breed. So she may be in that mindset that she wants to breed. Hmm. So she may be ovulating then. No, she won't. She won't ovulate unless. Unless she um, she copulates and she'll only ovulate if she knows that she'll you know she'll produce the eggs. So it, she could ovulate and you know lay lay um, slugs, but probably won't. She probably won't okay. unless you okay. you know you breed her. Right. Well, no, I'm not going to be doing that, so whatever. Yeah. yeah I'll, just, I'll just wait it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, I'll, cool. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm not worried about it. If I need help, I'm going to call you. Don't worry about that. Oh, um, yeah. Well, hey, hey, Steve, it was a great night, great great interview with you. Um, of course, it's an easy one because we talk a lot anyway. And But um, yeah. I want to thank everybody that in the chat room tonight, Airway Geckos, Brooke, Dave, Elsa J, Jeff Scott, John and Chrissy, Marcy, Sean, Heavy Duty, uh, Reptiles, Steve is there, and Wendy, and Vogelsang, and uh, a few people, uh, a few other people were in there. I guess they dropped out um, when the show hit the two-hour mark. But, uh, yeah, Steve, I want to thank you seriously for all that you do for the show. It's uh, it's appreciated by me, of course, and by the listeners. Everybody loves what you do. So uh, thank you for all your hard work. And, thank uh, you. And look forward to Absolutely. Look forward to co-hosting with you on Tuesday with uh, John Folks. Yeah, I'll be there. Awesome. All right, I'm going to let you go, and uh, I'm going to finish up the show, and uh, I'll see you Tuesday, but thank you. All right, thank you. All right, good night. All right, everybody. I'm going to play the outro, and I'll come back with my closing remarks. Gecko Nation Radio is a David's Fine Gecko's creation and production. You can visit the show's Facebook page at Gecko Nation Radio. I also have a great family-friendly group on Facebook called Gecko Nation. Apply for membership today. The jazz music you heard tonight was generously donated and created by Jeremy Turgeon of J&D Reptiles. Thank you very much, Jeremy, for the great musical pieces. You can check out Jeremy at J&D Reptiles on YouTube and on Facebook. And a very special thank you to our news anchor, graphic designer, and audio tech, Steve Barker. All the graphics, audio sponsor plugs, and music overlays were assembled by Steve. Check out Steve on YouTube at BC Barker Creations. He has some terrific videos for the herb community with amazing geckos and snakes. 
please support the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance and U.S. ARC. Gecko Nation Radio is proud to support both of these organizations. Please donate to U.S. ARC so that they have the funds needed to legally protect pet owners' rights nationwide. You can donate to the U.S. ARC Legal Defense Fund at www.usarc.org. If you would also like to learn about advocacy and how you can take action on a state and local level, please subscribe to the U.S. Herpetocultural Alliance newsletter and blog at www.usherp.org. That's right, everybody. Please do what you can, and uh, even if it's just a few dollars, donate to the Legal Defense Fund. That's the only thing that's going to help USR fight these lawsuits that we need to fight in, to, in order to keep our, our pets. All right. Um, wow, another great episode. Seriously, I want to thank everybody that uh, listened tonight, everybody in the chat room, of course, participated. And um, my closing remarks are this. Uh, I'm so thankful to have Steve as, uh, you know, as basically my partner with Gecko Nation Radio. And uh, he's such a huge help. And just knowing that he's there to, to do the parts of the show that he does is not only a, uh, so helpful to me, but it's it just makes the show special. You know, the things that he's able to do, the videos for each guest, it, it basically makes the guests, uh, it gives them a highlight, you know. shows shows their work and these, their their slideshow videos, and and, this, and occasionally when he's able to do those extra special videos, um, he puts a lot into that, and uh, that's it's it's greatly appreciated. And I I just in in addition to him, I just want everybody to know that especially all the hardcore fans, everybody that's still listening to my voice, thank you so much for keeping us motivated and enjoying the show and listening. That's why we do it. And I hope to keep bringing you great shows for as long as I can. All right, everyone. I am going to sign off, but if you, I'm going to sign off with a really cool instrumental tune that I think you'll all recognize from an awesome, awesome movie. And then I'm going to turn the show off as soon as the, the tune is over. So check this out. And everybody have a good night. Gecko Nation group, I love everybody in that group. You guys are awesome. Loki Reptiles, yay. I love you too. Have a good night. Jay, you're awesome. You rock. Jeff Scott, Wendy, everybody have a good night. Later, guys. Check this out. Let me see what else goes.